Now you truly can rewrite your future with these powerful prevention techniques. Going from feeling hopeless in your health to feeling confident. To bring information and unleash the potential of our listeners to ask the right questions. It's my responsibility to take control of my own health. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. I'm Dr. Gina Pritchard. And I'm Dr. Whit Wilkerson. I'm Patty DeMattis. And I'm Laura Hooper. So as we ask why in moving forward and thinking about how we can really take responsibility for our own health and not be dependent on others to provide us with health, which is, as we know, historically going to be more related to most likely prescriptions, I want to share with you about three eras of medicine that we hear discussed today around our medical community. The first era of medicine was the development, really not that long ago, of life-saving medicines. So you think of infectious diseases, for example, and how we now have the wonderful advantage of antibiotics. And you think of polio vaccine and and so many things that can literally save lives through medicine. And that was the very first era of medicine where we began to see extended lives and longevity and saving people from life-threatening illnesses. The second era of medicine has come along in the last 30 or 40 years that relates to life-saving procedures. And so now we see tremendous advances in technology and imaging and diagnosis and procedures, even to the point of transplants of organs and unbelievable advancements and and life-saving capability. But the thing about that is, as we look back at it, is the question that is being asked by the medical professional in those situations is, what is the problem? What is the patient presenting in the emergency room with who has chest pain? What is the solution? Should we take them upstairs and, and put a stent in or do an open heart procedure to, to help save their life today? Um, that's what the first two eras of medicine have taught us through life-saving medications and life-saving procedures. But the future of medicine at its really best is going to be asking not primarily what, but asking why. In other words, why has that patient arrived in the emergency room with this severe chest pain? What has driven their body to that point of collapse and distress? And so we're looking now more for root causes than just what the problem is that we immediately face. In spending time at the Cleveland Clinic, I once heard the message from Dr. Caldwell Esselstein, who was the former chief of surgery at the Cleveland Clinic until he one day said, I I don't wanna do surgery anymore. I wanna find out why people have atherosclerosis and plaque in their arteries. And Dr. Michael Roizen, who is the chief of anesthesiology at the Cleveland Clinic and who works side by side with Dr. Esselstein at the prestigious, world-renowned Cleveland Clinic, he also said, I I stop my work too because I want to 
ask why people are having to have surgeries and their bodies are breaking down. And so they worked together. They formed the Cleveland Clinic Wellness Institute. They began trying to find answers. I remember hearing Dr. Esselstein speak to a large group of cardiologists and cardiovascular surgeons in which I was the lone dentist in the room of over 200. And very adamantly, Dr. Esselstein, this esteemed physician and researcher, uh, stood in front of this audience of experts and he pointed his finger at the audience and he said, cardiovascular disease is a paper tiger. It's completely controlled by what you eat and your lifestyle and I can prove it. And he went on to show case after case after case of patients that he had seen with severe cardiovascular disease with almost complete collapse of their arteries and um, how they had taken them through a program that they had developed, a lifestyle program, a nutritional program in which he showed us images of arteries that were actually opening up that had been almost completely blocked. I remember him telling a story about a patient who his family wheeled him into the emergency room at the Cleveland Clinic. And this man had had 20 stents put in various locations in his arteries. He'd had quadruple bypass surgery. He had angina chest pain so badly that he couldn't get up from his bed and walk to the kitchen uh, without being completely out of breath and in pain. And his family brings him into the emergency room there and says, can you save his life? And of course, the answer was, well, no, we can't save his life. It's too late. His whole vascular system throughout his body is completely collapsed, and he's basically a, a dead man riding. And so Dr. Esselstein, who was starting this pilot program uh, on seeking to find ways to reverse cardiovascular disease, asked this man if he would like to be part of his pilot program, and he said, of course. Um, he worked with him. And over the course of seeing him literally weekly and then monthly and then quarterly and annually, he reported that 20 years later, 20 years later, this man was playing golf several times a week and was experiencing very good health. It sounds impossible, but it is possible, not because we are bound by the genetics of what we have had happen in our families in the past, whether we say, well, you know, my father had a heart attack and my grandfather did too, or my mother had breast cancer and my aunt had breast cancer. Everyone in the, in the uh, generation before me had diabetes. So therefore, if I develop any one of these problems, it must be simply genetic. And yet we're finding that the research is showing, and this is crossing all subjects of disease from cardiovascular disease to diabetes to even different types of dementia and Alzheimer's and uh, most uh, every type of chronic disease that you can name has one thing very commonly present, and that is a high level of inflammation, inflammation in the body caused by a variety of often external factors as well as potential pre-existing factors or genetic or hereditary factors. But these things add up and contribute to each other to create a fire within our bodies that can cause tremendous 
irritation and inflammation and and breakdown of the immune system. It's interesting, isn't it, that we're in the time of COVID and we're talking about comorbidities or co-factors that can be causing us to be more at risk for not only getting sick with COVID-19, but also dying from COVID-19. And what are the things that we hear about? We hear about cardiovascular risk. We hear about diabetes. We hear about obesity. And so these are the things that if we could have strong immune systems, if we could reverse these different disorders, these different inflammatory factors in our bodies, then we may be able to find that we can dramatically improve the quality of our lives as well as the longevity of our lives. And so these are the things that that we want to talk about in, in this podcast as we move forward. I'll tell you one other illustration that is from my own family. My mother, uh, whose name is Dottie, uh, was born and raised in a very small town in North Carolina called Burgaw. Burgaw had 2,000 people in the whole county. And most everybody in Burgaw and in that county, if they had any size of backyard, would be growing tobacco in the backyard for a little extra bumper crop and also for smoking. And so in my mother's family, she had a mom, my grandmother, who we affectionately called Big Mama. Big Mama weighed over 300 pounds. Big Mama's sister, who we called affectionately Candy Mama, also weighed over 250 pounds. Those two were two of six siblings, all women, who weighed well over 200, between 200 and 300 pounds. These ladies all developed diabetes at an early age. They all ended up dying early of strokes and heart attacks in their 50s and in their 60s due to obesity, due to now we know systemic inflammation and the buildup of plaque and all kinds of irritants that were caused from their very poor diets, from their total lack of exercise, from their excessive weight, from their uncontrolled insulin levels and insulin resistance, uh, developing all all sorts of problems, as you can imagine. Uh, My mom, uh, she was one of seven children, uh, four of which were diabetic and just like the, the mom and the aunts before them. They all went through the same course of diseases and died at a young age. My mom's oldest sister, who lived the longest, went into a nursing home at 70 with dementia, lived a few more years before passing away. My mom decided when she was a late teen that she was never going to let that happen to her, and she was going to seek every way she could to be healthy for a lifetime. She began reading nutrition information from a nutritionist back in the early 60s named Adele Davis. And she talked about juicing fruits and vegetables and eating whole foods and cutting back on refined carbohydrates and running or exercising every day, keeping your weight under control, taking vitamins, especially vitamin C and other vitamins that were identified to be typically deficient in or that building those up could increase and and protect our immune system. Um, My mom, I remember juicing uh, carrots when I was just a young boy in the early 60s until her hands and feet would turn orange. She ran ran or rode her bicycle every single day. Um, She exercised. She would get on the scales and make sure that she wasn't over 125 pounds or she would diet for a few days and just 
juice and and we ate desserts that were like uh, sugar-free jello and fruit cocktail as a, as a child. No sugar, no white bread in our family growing up. I remember as a child, if we got a sniffle, my mom had in the medicine cabinet B12 and syringes, and she would chase us around the house and give us B12 shots uh, back in the early 60s because and loads of hands full of, of um, vitamin C. Um, to make a long story short, my mom today is 98 years young. She lives independently. She has no memory loss. See, you have to ask, is that genetics or is that lifestyle? There's no question that it's a matter of lifestyle in her case. And she's actually overcome the pre- pre- uh, genetic predisposition, which we now know in most cases has to be provoked or stimulated uh, by inflammatory factors. And so these are the things that we've been learning. We're so excited about. We want to share it with the whole country, with all of our professional colleagues and all of you that are listening in that want to be healthy, that want to have healthy families. And so this is what we're dedicated to. And the way that we're going to get there together is to be proactively asking why. And so that's our commitment. And we're excited to be on this journey together. With that's just wonderful. I love hearing your stories. And of course, I want everyone to re- read your book, The Shift, because you go into more detail about uh, your family and, and being chased around by your mother with a syringe for a B12 shot. But I love it. She obviously uh, set such a wonderful example for you. I also want to go back to one thing that you said, and I think it really explains why the four of us have come together and said, we want to start a podcast where we can come together and help anyone become empowered to improve their health and avoid these devastating diseases and gather our colleagues and experts in the field that have helped answer some of these questions for us. But all of us have a history that have been in healthcare any length of time of being trained to what you said in the beginning. Patient comes in, ask what's the problem, do some tests to find out what's the problem and what's the solution and give the solution. And of course, that's exactly what you want when you're in the emergency room having a heart attack. You don't care if they ask, why did this happen? There's not time for that. So there is a place for asking what and what's the solution and let's get it done and get it done quickly. But it's not a great question to ask when you're trying to avoid that whole scene in the first place in your own life or the life of your loved ones, or certainly when any health scare has happened to you and you want to avoid that again in the future or any other health scare in the future. So we really want to advise our listeners, the younger, the better, but it's never too early and it's never too late to ask why for yourself, even if you feel like you're very healthy, to go seek out a prevention specialist, actually a team of dental and medical uh, preventive specialists that can help you and really support you in partnering with you to go down this journey of asking why. Why did my parents, as you've said, or grandparents in your case, have, or your uncles, aunts and uncles, why did our previous generation have all of these health issues? And what what about me? What's my risk? And what can I, then you ask what, what can I identify and what can I do to keep going down that path? But many of us have, you mentioned uh, this too, and sort of touched on the fact uh, that we've either said, it's in my genetics, so I might as well do what I want because it's inevitable. 
that's really kind of found its way into our culture, which is not true. We know that epigenetics is much more powerful than genetics and epigenetics being the way that our environment and the things that we do and the things that we're exposed to alter our genetics in a positive or a negative way. We used to say that our lifestyle or environment can turn on and turn off these genes. You want the good ones turned on and the bad ones turned off. But now we know it's more of a dial. You know, the better you uh, your life is and the more of these root causes you identify and address, then those genes that you don't want to be exposed in your life are dialed back down and hopefully completely turned off. But But it's a process. And so we do encourage all of our listeners to seek out healthcare professionals uh, in the dental and uh, medical community that can partner together because it takes takes both to uh, to answer all these questions for you. So thank you for sharing that with us. I want everyone to know that you're not bound by your genetics, but it also does require a deeper evaluation than what you'll get at you know, a traditional type practice. Definitely our colleagues in urgent care centers and primary care providers, you know, have our their place for sure. And we respect them greatly, but everyone needs a prevention, optimal health focused team to help them look at nutrient deficiencies, toxicities, everything. You know, uh, sleep apnea is one example. I'll just say this briefly because I imagine Patty and Laura have things they want to say. But uh, I can remember when we thought, great, we now know in our cardiology practice, after somebody is safe from a heart attack and they come into the office, it's probably sleep apnea, especially if they're overweight. So what's the problem? Let's get a diagnosis. Okay, we do a sleep study. Yes or no, they have sleep apnea. If it's yes, they get CPAP and that's it. And that is so, um, we know now it's such a narrow focus that now we need to ask, it's one of the reasons, questions we're asking when someone has had a heart attack or a stroke or dementia is in the question of why did they have the event? Could it be sleep related? And we know it's not as black and white as the person who's overweight. Do they have sleep apnea? Yes or no, and move on all shapes and sizes, all ages can have an issue with deoxygenation, sleep disordered breathing, difficulty breathing at night, whether they know it or not. And the answer is not just CPAP for everybody. Just throw that out there as an example, because I know that's one area of medicine that in this third era of medicine has definitely involved. And one of the reason our teams work together, because it takes us all to figure out why do they, do they have the problem or not? Yes. Why do they have the problem and and what's the solution for that? I love all the talk about the genetics because um, so many people, maybe some of our listeners have been afraid to find out what their genetics are. They're like, you, um, one of you said earlier, you know, I know my genetics are terrible. My hometown was like, with moms, like everybody in my hometown had bad heart and hypertension and all that stuff. And so I, I could have assumed that I was just going to fall into that same category. But we base a lot of things on knowing your genetics. Don't be afraid to know your genetics because it's not only bad news. It can be actually a map of how you can be healthier. It'll tell you what kind of uh, diet you should have and if you should avoid alcohol <laughs> um, or if you should avoid gluten or, you know, those kind of things that give you more of a, you know, roadmap of how to be healthy. So it's not always just the good news or the bad news. Your dad gave you bad genes and your mom gave you bad genes. So that's the bad news. <laughs> but I think that's a wonderful message to get out there to not be afraid of finding out what your genetics are since there's what we can, we can do something about turning them off. Yeah, I think that's so important. I think there's a lot of controversy, I'm going to say, about genetics. I always like to bring up, you know, 
there's an argument out there, but maybe only 10% is truly genetics of just from what Dr. Gino is talking about of more of our epigenetics. And I love discussing, you know, things that I'm going to say are a little taboo when you go to your doctor talking about a microbiome and bacteria and hormones. And, you know, we're talking about peptides today. It's really, you know, asking why, why is it more of this mainstream medicine going on? Just like the sleep apnea, like if I don't have oxygen, is that not only affecting my sleep, but like Dr. Gina and Dr. Witter are talking about heart attacks, other areas. So I guess I even want to throw out to my co-host here is like, you know, the society norm to me is almost so overwhelming. I think even as a patient, as a provider myself, we kind of get stuck on like all this conflicting information that you almost get frozen. Like, what do I really do here? And then it's almost like we go to a doctor, we go to a provider, and I say they're even stuck because they're like on this treadmill of what you're saying of, well, here's here's the solution to that because I don't really have time to unravel this huge, you know, ask why. Why is this happening to you? Why is it maybe your genetics? Why is it maybe your microbiome? You know, it goes on and on. So, you know, I just like to hear like, how do we actually get our listeners to help us create some of this movement, join the movement of getting this third era, this new era of medicine to really move forward so that we can uncover these, these risks and have these conversations, you know, to push this, you know, so it can become mainstream. Yeah. I think that's a great question, Laura. And I think we have said in starting this podcast, we either want to start a revolution or we certainly want to contribute to the revolution of all of us asking why and not waiting on our healthcare provider to, to tell us what to do or whatever. Uh, as moms, we all go home and we do that. We call each other and ask, you know, this is what the doctor said, but like, why? Blah, blah, blah. So we want to empower everybody to be a part of this, this revolution, this third era of medicine. And I do think the more of us that go to our providers with these questions, the providers will start to change or they'll start to see their practice dwindle as people are seeking out more and more prevention-focused health optimization providers. You know, this this whole thing reminds me of what we might think of as another illustration, and that is, so let's imagine that we were driving along the coast of California, along the coastal highway there, uh, maybe 100 feet above the rocks down to the Pacific Ocean, and we're enjoying the view and everything just seems to be great. It's a sunny day until we go around one corner and we miss the corner. We happen to go over the cliff in our car and we bump along down to the bottom and we're severely injured. Fortunately, there's a emergency rescue boat that comes and gathers us up out of the wreckage and takes us to the docks and puts us in an ambulance and runs us down to the hospital. And they do these exquisite tests to find out exactly what's wrong, run us up to the OR and save our lives. And we're so grateful because of the great incredible knowledge that was required to save our lives in that instance. And that's really first and second era, era medicine, saving uh, life medications and procedures. But then what we want to ask is a very important question, and that is, why didn't they put a guardrail up on that turn where we went over the cliff? Because if there had been a guardrail there, we wouldn't have needed these fantastic emergency services to save our lives that took people their whole lives to learn how to do. And so 
we want to understand how to build guardrails around our health, around our families, around our communities, so that we can enjoy our lives until we're my mom's age. And then, you know, eventually one night go to sleep healthy and not wake up at say a hundred years old. And so um, that's where we're headed with all of this. And we're so happy that you all are joining us on this journey. Yes. Thank you so much to all of our listeners and please subscribe to us on Apple podcasts or your favorite podcasting app and follow us on social media at Ask Why Medicine. You can look forward to two episodes of month, so stay tuned as we help you understand how to incorporate guardrails in your life to avoid danger up ahead. <laughs>